Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Backfield Show. My name is Joe Lowry, and on today's episode, we are diving into the Major League Soccer playoffs. The beginning of round one is underway. We're almost all the way through round one, except for that pesky Columbus Crew Atlanta United matchup that is scheduled for November 1st for some reason, two days after all of the other game ones of round one were played. Anyway, setting all of that aside, we're going to dive into every game that has happened so far and talk through some takeaways as we look ahead to the rest of the postseason. And of course, because this is the Backfield Show, we're doing it in 10 minutes or less. We're going to tell you what you need to know and get you in and get you out. So without any further ado, let's get to it and talk about the MLS playoffs. As a quick refresher, right off the bat, the first round of the playoffs are now best of three series. A twist that I'm not totally sure about. I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's bad. I do know that it has been very, very fun so far and filled with a bunch of goals. We'll see how this format really progresses and how it shapes games as this postseason moves along. But to start off, in game one of their series, the Philadelphia Union topped the New England Revolution 3-1 in Philadelphia. A few takeaways from this game. Carlitz Hill comes off injured midway through the first half. That's a bad bit of news for the Revolution. They already lost Georgi Petrovic in the middle of the season to Chelsea. He was their best player. Now they lose their second best player in Carlitz Hill. Maybe he comes back. There's a big gap between this first game of the series and the second game. Maybe it wasn't that serious and it was more precautionary. Either way, not a great sign for the Revolution who are very clearly the second best team on the field in this game over the weekend. Daniel Gazdag starts off the scoring for the Union with a penalty in the 19th minute. Mikel Ure scores a lovely goal in the 26th minute from a nice piece of buildup from the Philadelphia Union. It's Jack McGlynn with a nice ball over the top to Kai Wagner. More on him in just a second. Wagner crosses the ball inside the Revs can't clear and Mikel Ure finishes inside the box. Then Harriel adds a third goal in the 37th minute. Gustavo Bo gets a consolation goal in the second half. New England should be afraid about where they are right now, and I think they probably are, given some of the chaos going on with the club right now, but they're not as afraid as they probably should have been, given what's come out about Kai Wagner. The Athletic reported last night, as I'm recording on Tuesday, October 31st, that Kai Wagner has allegedly used a racial slur towards Bobby Wood, New England Revolution attacker. Kai Wagner is a hugely impactful player for the Philadelphia Union, None of that matters. The soccer stuff has to come second to the human stuff. And if the investigation proceeds and it's found that, yes, he did, in fact, use a slur directed towards Bobby Wood, he's got to be done. He shouldn't play in the playoffs anymore. It's a big blow, potentially, for the Philadelphia Union. And obviously, that's all secondary here to Bobby Wood and, and just how wrong it is to go out and do any of that stuff in the first place. More questions are on the Philadelphia Union than they certainly would have wanted. And a big blow to the Philadelphia Union here. They still have the edge in this series moving forward, the Union, but there's been more chaos around this than I think anybody expected coming into the start of round one. Moving on to the second game that we saw in this first round, LAFC's 5-2 home win over the Vancouver Whitecaps. There wasn't a ton separating these teams in open play. You know, Buanga is the X factor here. He was the best player on the field. He scores a couple of lovely goals in this first match. The X factor, though, is the Vancouver Whitecaps. I've talked about it on the show. I talked about it for Backfield over on the website. They've allowed more set-piece goals than any team in the regular season coming into the postseason. 14 set-piece goals. They allow four set-piece goals in this game alone. You can't win anything if you're allowing that many golden opportunities from set-pieces. It's a huge issue for Vancouver. It's a huge, 
huge issue for the Whitecaps. If they can't address this, nothing they do matters. Andres Kubas' quality in the field doesn't matter. Brian White and Ryan Gold up top don't matter. None of that will have any impact on the outcome of this series if they don't tighten things up defensively. Yeah, they, they can do that. And if they do that, they're in this series still. But overall, LAFC jump ahead very, very clearly. They have the better talent between the boxes, even if they were relatively even or only slightly better over the weekend. But set pieces could be the difference maker here. Looking to Houston's 2-1 win over Real Salt Lake. First, I want to plug a piece that Phil West wrote for us over at Backyield.com, digging into the Houston Dynamo's turnaround from a bottom feeder in MLS to now a legitimate trophy threat after they won the U.S. Open Cup and now starting off strong in the postseason as well. Conversations with GM Pat Onstad, Ben Olsen, players over there. It's a really good piece from Phil. Go check that out over at Backyield.com. The Dynamo in this game showed exactly what we've come to expect from the Dynamo. The central midfielders were running the show in this game. Hector Herrera scores a lovely goal early on. Coco Carasquilla are toured the base of midfield. I mean, Bassett getting in on the action at times. They have so much quality in the center of the field. The bad part for Houston is that they can become predictable. RSL really set up shop to try and force them wide. And we saw a lot of aimless crosses from the wide players and from Coco Carasquilla. Now, the Dynamo still have the quality to get through this. They preyed on some of RSL's absences and some mistakes from Diego Luna. He also scored a goal to get RSL back in this game early on in the second half. But man, now the margin is thin for RSL, who already were coming in with a weak squad into this postseason. They need Diego Luna to really run the show in the attack in the second leg. And they have to rely on Houston central midfielders having a, a little bit of a quieter evening and really trying to force the Dynamo into those predictable sorts of attacks. They did an okay job of that in the first leg. The second leg, they have to be nearly perfect. Still, the door is cracked open for All Salt Lake. It's also cracked open for the Red Bulls, who were the second best team on the field against FC Cincinnati since he won that game 3-1. Neither team created a ton of awesome chances in this game, but Cincinnati, you could tell the edge they have when it comes to their player quality. Lucho Acosta scores a goal from just inside midfield into an empty net. Alvaro Barrial was awesome in this game as well. He was absolutely fantastic on the left side. The Red Bulls, though, there is an opportunity for them to get back into this series. There's still a punch they can throw. The general flow of this game wasn't terrible for them. They weren't played off the field for the most part during the run of play. It was just a few mistakes. It's not dealing with the aftermath of a throw-in that leads to the Lucho Acosta goal. It's not being quite quick enough to react in zone 14 a couple of times. In some ways, those are very un-Red Bull mistakes. And so if we see a more classic Red Bull performance in the second leg... They've got a shot to force a game three here. I don't know that the dust has totally settled on this series just yet. Moving to St. Louis City's loss at home to Sporting Kansas City. SKC win this game 4-1. They definitely get a bit fortunate with some of the finishing in this game. That said, they played well. They limited St. Louis's attack and they preyed on the one thing that St. Louis have been very good at throughout their entire expansion season, which is winning second balls, winning the scraps they create, forcing as many as they can under Bradley Carnell and winning the vast majority of them. In this game, that wasn't happening for St. Louis. They were losing the 50-50s that they tend to win. They couldn't clear the ball out of their box. They let in a set-piece goal, as does Sporting Kansas City. But this game did not go according to plan for St. Louis. Tactically, the pieces were there. Execution on those tactics was not. And Roman Berkey called that out after the game. Tim Parker called that out after the game. All of a sudden, the top seed in the Western Conference is looking very, very vulnerable heading into a game in Kansas City, This was always one that was on upset watch. I've talked about that before. But man, to see St. Louis go out there and struggle, thinking that all of a sudden all of their hard work and their expansion season could evaporate, it's a very real possibility for them now. And credit to SKC for forcing them into that position ahead of what is now going to be a crazy 
second game of this series with both teams having something to play for. Looking to Orlando's 1-0 win over Nashville, this game played out almost exactly how you'd expect. And I'll get to the almost part in just a second, but it was somewhat KG. Nashville defended a lot in their own half. Neither team created a ton of obvious chances. There were some, and Sam Sturge had probably the best chance of this game in the first half that he does not put away, but it's a moment of individual brilliance that wins it. And now the almost part comes in with, it's been Duncan McGuire carrying the load for Orlando City, but it's not him. It's Wilder Cartagena who scores a banger in this game in the 41st minute to give Orlando City the lead, natural given too much space. Even still, you're not expecting Cartagena to unleash that thunderbolt into the back of the net. It's an absolutely fantastic strike from Cartagena that ends up making all the difference. The same concerns are still here about Nashville, their ability to create chances and their ability to put the ball in the back of the net when they do create those few chances. And I'll be honest, I'm still thinking some of the same concerns are here for Orlando. How they're going to break through Nashville in the second leg is a big question for them. Still, they've got the edge heading forward in this series. Finally, to close things up, Seattle's 2-0 win over FC Dallas. An expected result, but the game didn't flow exactly how I thought it would. Dallas have some real chances early on. Jesus Ferreira, it's not a night to remember from him on Monday night. He has chances, cannot put them in the back of the net. That allows Seattle to come back, seize control of this game. It's a somewhat soft, but I think legitimate penalty in the 43rd minute that Albert Rusnak puts into the back of the net. And then Jordan Morris, completely unmarked in the box in the 74th minute, heads the ball home. Dallas lose Alan Velasco. It feels like the margins between these teams are getting wider and wider, and the edge is heading more and more to Seattle. If Dallas could replay the first 25, 30 minutes of this game, this thing might look very, very different heading into game two down in Dallas. As things stand, though, Seattle look poised to advance. We'll see if Dallas can throw a wrench into that mix. That's it for this episode of the Backheeled Show. If you want more American soccer coverage, go check out Backheeled.com. For now, we'll talk to you again real soon.